Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? Hey, Adam's student ministry team is in the studio today. Welcome, uh, guys. We are joined by David Pinol, Director of Student Ministries. Welcome, David. And uh, Reby Long, who is our Wake Women's Coordinator. Does, did I get that right? You got it right. Right. That's it. And uh, fun fact, Reby's walk-up song, uh, yes. you've ever been at a student ministry event and she comes up, they play oh, Pat Benatar. Or the kids will sing it. Pat Benatar's We Belong. And they say, We Belong. And Because uh, really, it rhymes. It sounds like. You it see, sounds you see, like. You, those kids if are clever. If you listen the to her song. Do know who Pat Benatar is? No. No idea. No. So you have to teach them that first. Well, Pitch Perfect 2. Oh, yeah. Re, reintroduce the world to that song. Come on. That so is So occasionally really a kid helpful. will text me and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that song you know, like existed. I thought we just made it up and wake. <laughs> they just thought it was a camp song about Reby. No. <laughs> we we need John to give tune. us a couple bars of that song. No, uh, no. no. but while we're, you know, talking <laughs> of singing, we uh, we do have a minor celebrity at we the do. table today. David, uh, have you been in a movie? Well, I do have my name on IMDB, which is the internet <laughs> movie database. Yeah. So yes, I have been in a movie, in a Disney movie, in fact, and I receive a check from them every quarter. What was the last check? How much was it? The last one was like $42. No way. That's because uh, I was in the Jonas Brothers 3D concert experience movie. Yep. I was fake Joe. We were the fake Jonas Brothers, if you've seen it. Is it still um, online? Is that still, and, can you Google that? Oh yeah, it's yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but the Jonas Brothers, as I'm sure all of our listeners know, recently reunited <laughs> and they've got an album out. And so uh, I guess the old fans have been watching the old movie and I've made a few extra dollars. <laughs> yeah, you are going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> going to get me out of a couple jams. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, fun. so you, that, the fake Jonas Brothers was a bit that you guys came up with f- for student ministries, right? Just to entertain the kids. Just to yes. entertain the yep. kids. It was and more than the, that. And the Jonas Brothers saw our YouTube video. They thought we were entertaining, and they invited us to be in their movie. I flew first time in my life. I flew first class. I had a driver. Everything. That's amazing. amazing. That is really good. I mean, John lives like that regularly, but right. for right. for you, I'm for sure me, that was a big welcome. deal. Welcome. To the other side. Now, yes. what I love about that is, you know, it, we're talking about leading teenagers and we're talking about youth ministry or student ministry. Uh, a lot of people are going to go, yeah, that's probably what it takes to be successful. You got to come up with a fake Jonas Brother skit character and just entertain the kids. And that's what it all, that, that's all it takes to be successful, which is uh, not at all what we're going to talk about today. That's a small, small piece Absolutely. of what they try to do when they disciple teenagers. But uh, John, why don't you set up this topic a little bit and let's have David talk some too, of just how hard it is to be a teenager nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so guys, 25 years ago, I was you, I mean, you're the, you know, David, you're the youth pastor. I always wanted to be when I grew up. And, um, but I remember having this sense, like, man, it is tough to be a teenager. Like I just would carry that weight. And I thought about you now, and I thought about the kids that you minister to, and it is like exponentially uh, more so. So just tell us about the landscape before we jump into kind of the, the how, what, why of, of student ministry. Well, you're right. I mean, it's always been tough to be a teenager, but I do think it is especially, I mean, it is really tough to be a kid today. So I think about when I was younger, um, I had to go looking for pornography and I had to hide it. But today's teenagers just carry around an unlimited library uh, of temptation. 
just in their pocket yeah. on their phone. Uh, when I was a teenager, I had to worry about bullies. I was a late bloomer. I was a skinny little kid <laughs> and Keith Erickson would just shove me around and call me names. And I was worried about Keith, you know, bumping into me in the hall. Uh, but man, I never once worried about an active shooter coming right. into my school, uh, but that's just a reality of uh, life today. Kids do lockdown drills. I did tornado drills. Um, and you know, when I was a Christian teenager, I remember getting amped up about biology class because my teacher was going to mention evolution <gasps> and I had to be ready yes. to debate her on mm -hmm. the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. And that's still an issue for today's Christian teenagers, but they also, I mean, they've got to be ready to discuss uh, marriage, sexuality, uh, gender identity, the sanctity of life and the womb. I mean, all of these are in their junior high classrooms. Uh, the, you know, we've got a great story. Tell the story of the kid whose teacher said, stand up and go to. Yeah. So one of our kids in um, RISD, Richardson Independent School District School, uh, was sitting in social studies class in eighth grade. And the teacher did that kind of cross the line if you believe in or have experienced this. And so she's doing, you know, cross the line if, if you have parents getting divorced or if you have all different things. And then she did one of cross the line if you believe it's okay um, to be married to somebody of the same sex or if you if you were for gay marriage. And um, when one kiddo who's just like awesome in Watermark Student Ministries um, didn't cross the line, mm. 14 years old, and just is like- And only one kid out of the whole class. Yeah. The only one. So so 25 other kids cross the line. He stays on that side and he's, and he's mocked for it. And to this day, I mean, he's in high school now, it's since removed and he still has that reputation of you're the kid that didn't cross the line and how stupid. And I mean, just you're it's a crazy. hateful yeah. mean bigot. And that's yeah. just the yeah. world that our kids. So, so we're navigating this world as adults, right? but they're navigating it as kids, you know, and researchers are calling this generation, the first post-Christian generation. Uh, you know, Barna has said that uh, since uh, people born since 1999, only 4% of them uh, hold to a biblical worldview. Um, rates in church attendance and religious affiliation, belief in God, prayer, Bible reading are all at an all-time low for the just the world that they live in. Um, and the culture really is on the offensive against Christians. Yeah. Just like the story Reby just told, uh, young believers are being singled out, marginalized, and chastised for their beliefs. And accompanying all of that and related to most of it, um, it's just taking its toll on kids. We're seeing the highest rates of depression, anxiety, uh, suicide uh, ever. And uh, experts are calling this the, the worst mental health crisis in decades. Uh, of what we're facing. So it is tough. So to this is, you know, John, when we talk about the next generation, training up the next generation of leaders, even on this leadership podcast, often we're talking about millennials and we're talking about young adults. They are the immediate next generation. But what David and Reby, the, the, the folks that they're leading, this, this really is the generation that's coming after that. And I love the way that they have approached ministry because it's not just skit characters and pizza parties and let's do a camp every once in a while. They're discipling teenagers, even in the midst of all this, this complex culture that we live in, they're, they're doing some things that I think all leaders need to be aware of and try to demystify 
it's it, it it you know things that you're going to share, David. Uh, some of it's going to be self evident. They're going to go, really? That works. And if anything, if a leader listening to this just gets some courage to go, okay, I, I shouldn't be scared if teenagers are showing up in my church. I know how to lead them now. I can just do some of the things that we're going to be able to share here. Yeah, that's good. So again, I think you know, uh, David was the uh, is a student pastor that. I wished uh, I was then and hoped I would grow up to be. And that's not a complicated uh, ministry model. It's not a flashy uh, ministry model. You know, do they have fun skits and things like that? Yes. Um, but that's not, so I've got four kids who have all either have come through or are in the student ministry and they don't talk about the skits. They don't talk about the games. They talk about relationships, yep. um, both with their peers, with their uh, leaders, and they talk about the way they're growing. And that's what they talk about. And that's the standout. And I think uh, leaders are going to be really encouraged as they hear about what David uh, has been up to. Yeah. So David, you, you guys basically just have three principles. These are kind of your driving principles as to how you guys think about ministry. And so let's just go through this list. So the very first one that you have on here is that uh, you prioritize relationships, that as a student ministry, you're going to put a premium on relationships. So talk about that. Yeah. So think about this. When when you were a teenager, uh, you acted one way in school, one way on your team, one way with your parents, one way when you were around your friends. But that's just multiplied uh, with social media. I mean, you can be one way digitally, uh, one way on your Instagram, one way on your Snapchat, one way on this group chat, one w- one way on this group chat. And kids don't know who they are. Right. They don't know who they are. And so they need a safe place where they can maybe be known mm-hmm. for the first time. And the way that they can be known is by being introduced to their creator who knows them better than they know themselves. And so we are trying to create environments for kids to be known and then in the being known, be loved, be accepted. Um, And so uh, we think it really, uh, for those safe places to be created, uh, there has to be an environment of trust that is fostered and built. And that does not happen quickly. Right. That happens over time. And so we are inspired uh, by the Apostle Paul's example. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two is he's writing back to this church and he's describing his ministry to them. He says, hey, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. And because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. And so that's really sparked a vision in us of, hey, we need to be people as a student ministry who are sharing the gospel consistently with kids, but also our own lives as well, giving them an example worthy of imitation. And and Paul says he cared for those people like a mother cares for their children. No mother leaves their children. And so uh, when I say we prioritize relationships, we are, we are putting leaders with kids and we're asking them to stay with them. So Rebe, talk about how long a leader stays with a group of kids. Yes. So whenever I meet with potential new leaders uh, to work with students or teenagers, we just cast the vision. Most of our leaders come in and start a group when this, when the teens are in sixth grade and then they stay with them until they graduate high school. And so we're just, so, really, uh, we need to pause yeah. and say that again, that was, because she didn't uh, misspeak, right? Cause there's going to be some people going, no, no, no. Yeah. I, she didn't mean sixth grade to 12th grade, but that's exactly what you mean, right? It, yes. it is yes. for six seven, or seven years, seven years. Yeah. Yes. So we uh, just are careful to say, I, I think other people think that high school is the sexy, cool age because they're, they're more adult. They can drive. I always use air quotes of they're dealing with real life problems. And, um, I'm just quick to tell them they are dealing with real life problems 
as a 12 year old sixth grader. Mm. It life is real. And depending on that kid's story and the circumstances that they're just kind of born into, it might even be more severe than some 17, 18, 19 year olds yeah, experience. Really and so, um, we encourage our adult leaders start with them in sixth grade and follow them up. So we, um, I worked at a church before Kevin and watermark for a short amount of time, not quite a year. And then I, um, came here, but the way that we did student ministry there was we had a leader who was over senior girls and every year she got the senior girls and that was her jam. And, um, with that, she got them in the last year, the last lap, that's fine. But we just have seen it be effective at Watermark for the longevity of relationship, the consistency in their life. Um, with students that were running with it, it's, you know, I I have students different times that will say a pithy thing like, you don't know me, you don't know that. And I'll say, actually, we have been hanging out since you were 12. You are now 17. I, I do know you. I think I know you. <laughs> I think I know. And uh, that was unkind of you. And I think that that was rooted in an in insecurity here. Mm. Would so you to be say clear, yeah. most churches uh, have volunteers. Right. And, and their volunteers are the leader of the eighth grade group and the ninth grade group. And then the kids finish. They move on and then they just start over. Yeah. Kind of like with their school teachers. And the reason sure. why people do that is yes. it's, it is a big ask to ask somebody to do what Reby just described um, is to go, Hey, we want to, we want you to commit seven years of your life to making disciples. Uh, but, but one, we think it's necessary in order to foster that environment of trust and to build that relationship and to uh, really give the students a life worthy of imitation. Hebrews 13, 7 uh, says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hmm. And so to give kids an outcome of a way of life that they can see over the span of seven years, that they can imitate and they can put into practice, it takes that sort of commitment. And here's what we found. Our, our volunteers, the members of our church, they want a mission worth giving their lives to. 70% of our graduating leaders from last year's graduating class had been with the group for seven years or more. Some of them started in third or fourth grade. Right. 90% five years or more. So people are sticking around. They're doing it. But you've got to make the bold ask and you've got to give ministry away. Yeah. And the the compelling vision of whenever I'm talking with a potential new leader of reminding them when I was from middle school to high school, I completely changed friend groups. And then about halfway through high school, I changed friend groups again. And I did not have the same friend for seven years. How crazy would that have been if I had w one friend stick with me for seven years and let alone a core group and a small group and some adults who are intentionally investing in my life that aren't my parents, but are saying in stereo what's being said at home relaying that to me, discipling me so that when I'm in conflict with my mom, my mom and I'm just mad that she's being legalistic or really strict or really whatever, I have somebody who I know has been for me and can say, Reby, man, I think you're, I think you're hearing this wrong. Or do you see how your mom's saying this out of love? Or if my parents aren't believers, that is really teaching me right. God's word for the first time. And so we, we give compelling vision to our leaders. And then really awesome is we have other leaders who've gone before him. And so just to name a couple of couples, the Selby's, the Tamlin's, the Collins, the Forney's all started as young marrieds and the Selby's kind of being the first of that list that I named, um, who really got into discipling students 
because they knew they were soon to expect a child. And just on that trajectory, if we start with some 12 year olds and our first kiddo comes when they're 13, by the time they've graduated college and are back in Dallas, they will be old enough to lead their sixth grade small group Wow! and are doing that. And we have uh, Matt Galvan is a guy who's leading with us now um, as a small group leader. And he waited two years post-college so that he could lead his small group leader's son. Come on. Through a small group. Come and so, on. And, and he brought his college roommate, Kyle Kelly, with him. And it's just so cool. Well, That's I've true. seen, you know, so my kids are older than yours, Adam. So I'm on the, you know, the other side of this sending kids into college, but, um, you know, this is not aspirational stuff. This right. is, I've, we've lived this. And, uh, I think the payoff, uh, you know, I, I think of one of our kiddos specifically, um, you know, they went to college, um, and with, with some of the kids from their small group at the same school, are kids from another watermark small group and they hit the ground running and the, you know, to kind of hear some of the sound bites uh, about what they're doing, the way they're relating to each other, the way they're encouraging, admonishing and helping and being patient with each other. I was like, guys, like you need to come, you know, go to uh, uh, some some adult conference and talk about how to do community because at 18 years old, you guys have just light years ahead. And it was because of what uh, they'd been through. And then one of the things I love is when they come back at Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, they always want to have coffee or a meal with their small group leaders. Yes. And so they are, they go over to their house and they want to see their kids. Uh, they want to reconnect, you know, those leaders will still text uh, our kids. How are you doing? Praying for you. What's going on? Um, and my, my, that, even though they've, they've graduated, that relationship hasn't stopped. And it has been a beautiful way just to raise kids. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's still my responsibility, but, but thank you. Yeah, for great providing. to have that partnership. Oh my God. And, oh, and it's again, so great you, as a parent. My oldest kid is 12 years old and he just started a sixth grade small group. And it is uh, so in, just encouraging to me to know that the three guys that are leading his small group, I'm going to have their support yeah. for the next seven years. Yeah, that's good. That is huge. And, you know, it, you don't you don't get that where they come home from college and still want to go visit the leaders. You don't get that with, again, with funny skits and great yeah. uh, and great retreats. You yeah. get that with relationships and people that over a long period of time have, have proven consistently that I'm for you. I'm calling you to something. I'm here through all the ups and downs of life. And so, David, this has even impacted the way that you guys even think about who you guys are ministering to. I mean, sometimes you will say I, you, you guys think you're one of the largest young adult ministries right. in, in the the church because you've got, I got some numbers here, just the number of students that are being discipled, uh, a little over 2000 and 138 small groups led by 350 adult leaders, those 350 adult leaders, that's kind of your first line of ministry, right? Those are the folks yes. that you're really trying to pour into. I mean, this is the church leaders application here is that, uh, our staff's priority. So if, you know, if a student pastor calls me and wants to pick my brain and says, Hey, how should I prioritize my time and energy. I'm, I'm starting new at a place. The first thing I always tell them to focus on is not, should I do Wednesday night or Sunday night? Should we do big group, large group, in-home location? None of that stuff. We can talk about that later, but it's building a team. Yes. it's built. So our staff's priority is building, equipping, encouraging a team of adult leaders who are going to share the gospel and their lives with students. So Ephesians 4.12 says that the responsibility of church leaders is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So our job is to equip the, the believers that God has brought to Watermark and empower them to do his work and build up the church. So when, when 
uh, we have the interview that Reby talked about with a potential new leader. One of the things we always tell them is, hey, we're asking you to be a volunteer youth pastor. You, you are not a chaperone. Yeah. We don't just need warm bodies to make sure that people aren't burning the building down. We need people to make disciples and to pastor and shepherd and share their lives with kids. And so our job is to find those people, to train them, to hold them accountable, to to uh, meet their needs when they have stuff come up that they don't know how to deal with, uh, much more than it is, hey, we're just the magnetic personality that's yep. the Pied Piper. Yeah. Because uh, you can do that, but you're going to be limited to 15 to 30 kids, depending on your bandwidth. Yep. And beyond that, you're not going to be able to make disciples unless you're multiplying your leadership. That's right. All right. So that first one, prioritizing relationships, uh, you're only going to be able to do that if you have people that are helping you. And so uh, build that team around you so that you can build those relationships with the students. All right. Second principle that guides you guys is this, is uh, we prioritize the gospel. Why don't you unpack that? Man, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Prioritize the gospel. But l- let me tell you how alarming it is, the number of testimonies that we hear around here mm-hmm. yeah. and elsewhere of young adults who are, you know, they're getting baptized. They're putting their faith in Christ. And their story is, I grew up in church, but I never really heard or understood the gospel. I mean, it is crazy. Yeah. Our, our church bulletin every week is called the Watermark News, and there's always a testimony and a story in there. Start to pay attention to it because, you know, I do doing what I do. And I mean, everybody talks about their upbringing in their testimony. And so many times they grew up in a church where they didn't understand the gospel. And so for us, it is, uh, it's something we have to talk about all the time um, is, hey, how are we incorporating the gospel in everything we do? Because if we're not doing that, what the heck are we doing? And so I'd like to share just one simple thing that we've done is uh, we have small groups that meet in homes. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, hundreds of them. And every time a small group meets in a home, uh, we assign a student beforehand. So the leaders, the adult leaders pick a student, they assign them, hey, it's your job this week to share the gospel with the rest of the group. And then they'll meet with them or talk through it with them beforehand. Hey, how are you going to do that? Are you going to share Romans Road? Are you going to use one of these bracelets that has different colors? Do you, right. Are you going to learn the bridge illustration? But you're going to present the gospel to the rest of the group. So if you're a kid that goes through our student ministry 20 plus times easily through your experience, you're going to be sharing the gospel. Hundreds of times you're going to be hearing it shared by your peers. Um, and that is just such a simple thing, but I think it's been uh, really transformative uh, in our ministry. And there aren't going to be kids uh, that, that have a testimony later in life that say, I, I grew up in a church where I never quite heard or understood the gospel. Right. Yeah, I love it. So having, you know, again, being on this side of the table, uh, it's been really fun to watch my kids. So sixth grade, uh, the conversation goes, hey, dad, next week I'm presenting the gospel in my small group. I'm terrified. Can you help me? You know, and so we sit down and, you know, and and let them practice. And then uh, sophomore, junior, senior year, hey, you know, buddy, what's going on this week? You know, I have got to present the gospel at at, a small group. You want to talk about it? No, I'm good. I I got this, you know, Uh, which is to say he understands it or she understood it and she can articulate it um, and is set up well to do so outside of that small group uh, because of, because of that training is a really brilliant exercise. Didn't, didn't take that much planning or uh, time, uh, but incredibly, incredibly effective. David, why, why do we have to remind people of this? Like, why is there still this temptation to go, oh, well, of course we're a church. We do that. And, and I bet everybody can do it. Why, why do you think you have to keep this as in front of you guys as a principle, a guiding principle? 
first of all, we're at war and we've got an enemy and this is the one thing the enemy does not want us right. to know and remember. Um, so we've got to go on the offensive. Uh, for sure. And and then also, man, what we described on the front end about how hard it is to be a teenager, um, these kids need to know and they need to understand where the problems in this world and the problems in their own life come from. And then they need to understand what the solution to those problems is. And the gospel presents answers to both those questions. Mm. We Kids need to understand, all right, any problem that I'm facing or dealing with, the root of it is sin. And the solution is Jesus Christ. Mm. And so uh, it is, you know, obviously we want kids to to be able to memorize these things and be ready to do it. Um, but it's so much more than that. Like these truths have to sink into their lives and they have to learn to trust the gospel. Um, but it's certainly not less than being able to recite the gospel. So we're, we're, we're teaching kids to to understand it so that they might apply it and depend on it. I think too with, um, I'll just say this really quick. I think sometimes youth ministries, student ministries can get bent towards a behavior modification Mm. kind of teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, let's talk, let's have a purity night. Let's have a night about drugs and drinking, why you shouldn't vape. And we just miss the heart of, if they're not a believer, we don't need to teach them to follow some moral code. Like they just, they need to know the gospel. And so a lot of times, even with our, with first time guests to small groups, we encourage leaders Ask, you know, after somebody's presented the gospel and you're kind of maybe doing breakout for prayer requests, ask the new kids, hey, skill one to 10, where are you uh, in assurance of salvation? How do you, how do you know that you're saved? How do you, and getting that and then getting to go, what did they talk about tonight? Did you retain what the gospel is? Can I talk you through it again? Just to be clear on if you're, if you're brand new, we don't want you to just try to live like a believer. We want you to know Jesus. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. If you found the Church Leadership Podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe to Watermark's Church Leaders email list. In addition to the podcast, Watermark Resources provides leadership resources, articles, and training opportunities to help equip leaders to serve their local church. You can sign up and learn more at watermarkresources.com slash church dash leader. Okay, so you're prioritizing relationships. When you're getting people together in these small groups, you're prioritizing the gospel. You're sharing it over and over and over again. I even saw some of your math that you did here on some of your notes, David. So 40, uh, 40 weeks for seven years, that's 280 times mm-hmm. of hearing the gospel, you know, if you if you make it to a awesome. uh, small group. Uh, Just 40 out of 52 weeks. There you go. I'm giving yeah. you 12 weeks off a year. <laughs> it's a bargain. <laughs> that is a bargain. Uh, and then and one, 10 and students one more there, thing on that note. Yeah. yeah, there's 10 students there. They're sharing it 28 times. Yeah. Uh, but before we move on, I, I, another thing uh, just on sharing the gospel is the culture is constantly feeding them opposite of the gospel. There you go. Right? And, and uh, from a young age, Disney Channel they're being told that they are the answer to all of their problems. Mm-hmm. You have it inside your heart. If you'll just follow your heart, everything's going to be good. You are basically a good person. And the gospel is opposite of that message. It's, hey, you're, you're broken. Yeah. Uh, your, your life has been affected by sin. You're not basically good. You cannot fix your problems on your own. You need a savior. Mm. And your savior loves you. And he's there for you. And he's been with you all along. And his name is Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. And here's how he can transform your life. So uh, it's a message they desperately need. And the reason why it needs to be repeated is the culture is going after the exact opposite thing. And uh, they've got a loud megaphone. Yeah, they really do. So that's that's good leadership there with those. So uh, relationships, gospel. Third principle would be this, is that you are calling teenagers to be the church, not just to come to church. So unpack that. 
Coming to church is boring. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Especially when Tarno's on the mound. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's the worst. <laughs> um, but you know what? Being the church is the most exciting thing yeah. anybody could yeah. give their life to. And so we owe it to these kids uh, to tell them that. And then to invite them to that and, and show them that, hey, this church is not a cruise ship. All right. This isn't just about what pizza are we serving this week and how funny is the sermon going to be? This is a battleship and there's a station with your name on it where you can serve and contribute to this mission where the um, the results and the rewards are eternal. Right. And we owe it to these kids to introduce them to that. And I think too many churches accommodate the immaturity of young people uh, by failing to call Christian teenagers to obey God's word, to pursue holiness, to belong to the body, and then to to use everything God's given them to build up the body of Christ. So what are some practical ways that you are calling them to be the church, not just to go to church? Well, I think in just our life map for a student, we want a student to graduate from high school, head to college, and know what biblical teaching is and kind of what a healthy church in America should look like to know what their gifts are and how to serve the body and be utilized by a church and then to know what authentic community is. And so we are trying everything as, as early as sixth grade to expose our students to these are opportunities where you can serve in the body. Um, our arts team is willing to let junior high boys, okay, operate thousands of dollars of <laughs> sound equipment, camera equipment. Um, so that, This is news to me. I actually no, lead that team. This is, this is news to me, and I don't know if I'm okay, okay with this. Dave Cole has been doing it since oh, he was right. 11. Um, <laughs> so not even a teenager, preteen, and doing it. But operating just a lot of equipment um, so that they might graduate from high school Maybe they go to A&M, maybe they go to Baylor and they make breakaway or they make vertical. Are those the only two or options? Insert, insert great uh, college campus okay, ministry okay, here. Okay. Thank you. Um, that they might make that ministry even better. And there might be no lag time yeah. between volunteers there. And so we want, we want students to know these are places you can serve right now as a sixth grader, seventh grader, all the way up to senior in high school. And then. Um, practicing community in the context of their small group. And then in junior high, we still do a weekly corporate gathering for junior high students called Wake um, that kind of is in lieu of adult worship. And then in high school, we transition them to adult worship for that intention of we don't want them to get to college and go, mm, where's the youth group? I'm missing some skin games here. Right. They've, they've been ready. And honestly, by the time they're 14, 15, they're so over the Ruby Long walk-up song and fake Jonas <laughs> Brothers and all the things. They're just True. over that. They're too cool. So a couple practical things we've done. One is we created a program called LEAD Team, and it's an acronym, Leadership, Education, and Deployment, where we invite teenagers to participate in our ministry. So this isn't, hey, we want you to be greeters and just stand at the door and give everybody a high five, help us design the t-shirt. No, we're, we're calling them and training them to be ambassadors mm. for Christ in their schools, in their friend groups, on their teams, in their families. Um, and so we meet every other week or so, and we're just giving them biblical leadership training, and we're inviting them. This is a way for a teenager to serve in our high school ministry. And part of this is born out of the opportunity to give them uh, just chances to serve. But also this, we believe firmly that the best ministers to teenagers are other teenagers. All right, say that again, because I think it's really good. The best ministers to teenagers are other 
teenagers. Yes. So um, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I'm a student minister. And if I want to minister to some teenager that's far from God, I've got to go get a pass and go to their school and walk in the lunchroom and sit down and start asking them questions and getting to know them. Uh, if I do that, I am not effective. I am creepy. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird, right? <laughs> Reby's okay. You showing up, Reby's that's weird. okay. I'm yeah. still I'm young. Weird. But if someone they've grown up with, gone to elementary school with, gone to junior high with, played on teams with, uh, is talking to them just about how their life is going and where they go to church and what they believe and all those things, that's far less creepy. And I hope that a leader is driving around hearing that and they just feel the weight of the world lifted off their shoulders yeah, with that. Yeah, you know, that yeah. you don't have to be the one with the cool t-shirt, shoes and sunglasses that shows up and tries to connect I don't with have all to these teenagers. Up. Yes. Yeah. So, and, a, you'll lose that game every time. You're no. always going to look like you're trying to keep up. And so the kids that have come to know Jesus... And we're just equipping them to talk about that yeah. with, with their peers and to invite their peers into what they've experienced. And so that's what lead team is. And and that's also part of why small groups meet in homes. It's way easier to convince little Sally to come home after school with me that we'll do homework together. And then we'll walk two blocks down to small group and her mom can pick her up from the Jones's house. It's really hard to say, what if your mom... <laughs> brought you to the mega church where the highways intersect and we go up to this floor you've never been to. I mean, when you're inviting them or better yet, when my family's hosting, I'm going to invite all of my friends to a small group. It's good. Well, you guys, it's fun to be again on this side. Um, I was thinking about our oldest when we launched him to college. Um, you know, there's some things we had to remind him of, uh, like go to class and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but we didn't have to remind him to go find a church, um, that preached the gospel and, uh, and called him uh, to obey, you know, everything that scripture commanded him to. And it was really fun to watch him go um, church, you know, kind of shopping initially. And he'd say, you know, um, dad, this church was great here, but man, I, you know, I've been there three times. I've never even heard of the, heard the gospel or heard, heard grace or this, this, you know, he's telling me he's taking issue with uh, the way that some, you know, different passages are being translated. He goes, I don't know that this guy really knows he's done the hard work. I understand. <laughs> Who are you? You're 18 years old. Um, and uh, so he's found a church and it's different in some respects than, um, than ours, but he, he's just like programmed to go find a church and be all in. And so he's serving in student ministries uh, at a church. That. And he's, and again, that. like I, there was things we've, we've kind of had to remind him that was not one of them. Uh, it was very in instinctive to him because of where he's grown up and our kids, you know, now that are in the home, um, you know, so we don't drive, uh, Sunday mornings, we don't go to service when mom and dad want to go to service. We have different services to choose from. We go to the ones that they're going to serve at, you know, and they're like, no, we can't go to that service. We have to go to this one because we're serving and we have to be there 30 minutes early. So that's what we do as a family. Mom and dad aren't driving that, that they are driving that. Okay. And so well done, both of you. And people are listening to this podcast all over the country and we are sending our students that we have invested in for years yes. uh, to come to your city and they are looking for a battleship. Yep. And you make sure your church is a battleship for that community, uh, not just a cruise ship, but the man, they're, they're going to, they're going to land at a place where they go, Hey, I, I've got a place that's going to deploy me. It's going to give me an opportunity to serve, to use my gifts, to share the gospel with others. And, and so the other way we do that beyond lead team is we just call young people starting sixth grade after, uh, to everything we call adults to. Um, including church membership. And we don't modify, we don't have some modified provisional membership for teenagers, but, but the same thing that God's word calls adult believers to, it, it calls 
uh, young believers to. There's no biblical restriction or limitation placed on followers of Christ because of their age. Mm. And so a kid at Watermark is not a member of our church just because their parents are. Right. But they've got to make their own decision about what they believe in uh, about Jesus and if they're going to follow him. And then they got to see if, all right, does God's word really call me to belong to a local body of believers or am I just a member of the big C church? Like what, what is a local church? And we try to teach them about the importance of the local church. Did you know that most of the new Testament was written to local churches, not just to a vague universal church. It applies to us for sure, but it was written to these local bodies. And this is God's plan for your care for others to know you and to sharpen you and hold you accountable, but also for your, the deployment of your gifts. And so you got to belong and contribute to a local body of believers. And so we, we call them to that. So they go through the adult membership classes. We don't do a special student membership class and they keep all the same commitments. So what would you say to the leader that's uh, listening to this right now as we're driving around going, great, if I do everything that you just said, uh, I will no longer have a youth ministry because no one will show up. What would you say to that leader? I, I haven't seen kids quit coming. Uh, the opposite. Kids have taken ownership of the ministry. So, so maybe um, the, the concern would be the kids will take over. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're training up the next generation of church leaders. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I did not experience in the time that I've been here, kids quitting coming. Uh, instead, it's been, man, kids that have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ yeah, take so, over. Because you're not burdening them, right? They, they view this as you're, you're, uh, you're helping them and, and you're really setting them free of all of this, right? Yes, this is not a burden. This is the life they were created to live. There you go. We're inviting them to it. I think of the parable of the sower where there's four options for the seed to fall, right? Good soil. And then on the path taken by a bird um, and among the rocks and among the thorns. And at the end of the day, remembering, I do not, I get a chance to either water this seed, like it says in first Corinthians three, I'm either Paul or Apollos, but God gives the growth. And if you put this high call out there and no kids show up, I would, I would maybe go, man, was there a lot of seed among the thorns and did the thorns just choke him out a lot faster. Um, but the ones in the good soil, and I just think of, we have a friend um, who's a junior in high school and she shared her testimony at the beginning of the school year. And she was invited to wake by a friend, started coming pretty consistently. Her parents divorced at a young age. She lives with mom and stepdad. Mom kind of believes in everything and nothing all at the same time. And so this friend is free to go to church with her other friends. She comes on some summer programs with us, is a part of small group consistently starting, you know, as, as young as 14. And after freshman year, she goes to um, Camp Barnabas with our high school team and they serve and love on kids with special needs at Camp Barnabas. And just through living out what it is, this selfless love, she really understands the gospel for the first time. She's been in small group. The gospel has now mm. taken taken hold of her life. And then her sophomore year um, is like, okay, so now what? It's just ready to run. I mean, we're kicking with gas with this friend. She confesses to years of a porn and masturbation addiction and then um, goes through membership, gets baptized. And junior year, we give this friend the mic and we're like, tell everybody why they should be a member. Uh, because you were the spiritual leader of your family. And and she is a leader in her small group. She's a leader in her school. She's a light um, and just has walked 
authentically in our faith. And I think, you know, we could have tried to coddle this friend and gone, Ooh, we know that your family kind of doesn't believe yeah. and we want this to be a place where it's fun, fun yeah. and it's fine. And really we just, she heard us call students to more mm. and no one else in her life related to her was living that out. But she saw friends who obviously were to the point that they invited her, that they were being ministers to other teens and said, you got to come with me. And she did. And she's on a mission. She's on a mission. That's so good. Mm. Kids want their lives to count. They want to be free from sin and they want their lives to count. So they're not going to run away from that. That's what we're inviting them to. That's really good. So this prioritization of relationships, the gospel, and then calling teenagers to be the church. John, uh, any any thoughts before we wrap up? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. I don't know your both of your testimonies. Ruby, when did you come to Christ? I trusted Christ at nine years old at Christian Spend the Night Camp. And then I would say... My faith really was like, ooh, am I going to stick with it or not at 17? Yeah. David? 10 years old at Canacuck. There you go. Spend the night camp. Okay. Spend the night camp. Yeah. I came to Christ. I came to Christ when I was 16 in a, in a student ministry. So either, uh, and, I, and I know your uh, student ministry was a big part of well, your spiritual growth. As soon as I was yeah. 12, I jumped in a small group yeah. and was discipled right. and it transformed my life. So I, I want to give that back. Yeah. So I just, uh, I guess, you know, parting shot to leaders who have uh, say over budgets and uh, kind of strategy and emphasis, um, it, it, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a more strategic group to minister to uh, mm-hmm. right now. And so uh, as you think about resources, as you think about airtime, as you think about space, strategy, hires, uh, don't marginalize this one. And I, I remember as a youth pastor, there was a couple churches that so prioritized this that the adults would take, you know, the bad rooms and uh, if they smelled really or the carpets were bad or the, uh, the, you know, the chairs, you know, were, were torn up there like, no, we we'll go there because we've got a chance to reach the next generation. What else do they need kind yeah. of thing, you know, and if kid couldn't go to camp, the whole church took up a collection and those kind of things. And, uh, I will bet you that they are uh, reaping the benefits. Yeah. And I can tell you that the kids that I ministered to at, at, at 20, 25, you want a great story, a full circle moment, uh, kids that I was investing in, um, when I was your, you know, 20, when I was probably 22, 23, uh, led one of my son's small groups. They're now leaders at this church, you know, um, and, and, to your point, it wasn't my ministry. It was the ministry that some others were on our team. And so this, you're playing the long game. Ministry is a long game. And uh, this is an incredibly strategic moment in uh, in in the life of, uh, of people and members who will serve in your church for a really long time. David? And you know, John, when you talk about uh, kind of prioritizing resources towards student ministry, uh, kind of a stereotype is someone will talk to me and be like, well, when are you going to be a real pastor mm. or, you know, whatever? And I will, I can say with integrity, I've been at Watermark for 17 years serving in student ministry and never once has anyone here in my leadership made me feel like I was less than yeah. um, the, the value and the importance of ministering to young people uh, has always been evident in everything that I've done. And so for church leaders listening to this, uh, I, I think that would be a great example for you to follow is to make sure that you're affirming and validating and supporting uh, people who feel called to minister to young people. 
uh, sure, you got to pay attention to people that get into it for the wrong reasons. Uh, but for somebody that just genuinely has a calling and God has gifted and wired them with the ability to communicate and relate to younger people, then um, that's something that you've got to nurture and support and keep on board as long as you can. Um, so I, we got to keep young blood in here. I got to I got to get younger volunteers and younger staff underneath me as I get older and older. I got to understand that. Um, but I still have the opportunity to use the experience and the gifts and the passion that I have uh, to invest in the next generation. And that's been a great part about being at Watermark. I would love to say, I think too many churches use the student ministry role as a stepping stones, a stepping stone and hire people who want to use it as a stepping stone. And what's attractive and was attractive about coming on this team is everybody, when I was interviewing, had been there 15 plus years, which was unheard of yeah. and still is. And just that that communicates down to our volunteers of you will not deal with change it with turnover in your time here or change up. Like we are, we are with you in this for the seven years. In fact, I'm going to outlive your seven years. And so I'm excited for you to be a part of the longevity of ministry we've already had going. Um, That's good. So yeah, don't, uh, you guys are oftentimes the, uh, the punchline of the joke in, in good fun, but, um, you know, publicly in our church, I mean, uh, you're held in high regard. Mm. Um, and, uh, that, that's a great point, Reby. That's a great point. So, uh, guys, I know we, we kind of flipped and we're talking about other churches now. You guys have put together some good resources or you kind of make public a lot of the resources you have. Where could they find, uh, those if they're interested? Uh, you can go to watermark.org slash wake Dallas or watermark.org slash shoreline Dallas. Wake is grades six through eight. Shoreline is grades nine through 12. Also tell them about CLC, David. Yeah. And uh, well, also on those websites, you'll find a contact form and, you know, any resource that we have, what's ours is yours. And so whether that is, hey, do you have an outline of how we interview and screen new leaders? Because um, you're getting all these leaders. How do you do that? We'd love to share that with you. We have a handbook that we go through when we train them. I'll give you a soft copy. You can edit it, make it your own, however you want. Uh, what are your safety policies and procedures? Because you're entrusting ministry to volunteer leaders. How do you make sure kids are safe? Uh, I'll share that with you. Like Whatever we have, I'd love to share with you. And you can get contact us through that website, but also um, hopefully listeners know about the Church Leaders Conference. Uh, you know, we get calls all the time. Uh, pick your brain. You know, they're like, hey, can I pick your brain yeah. for an hour about, and basically they're like, I want to tell you everything we're doing and then hear what you have to say about it. Um, <laughs> and I would love to do that for all of you at the Church Leaders Conference in April. There you go. Um, yes. So, hey, <laughs> I scheduled those time. phone calls, but there's only so many hours in the day. And the Church Leaders Conference is a great opportunity, especially the workshop. Yeah, that's the pre-conference workshop. The pre-conference. Yeah. I mean, there's usually only about 30 or 40 uh, student ministers that come and we get to spend tons of time with them. We can and eat every meal with you. Every meal. We will sit with we will, you. Yes. We'll sit with you and have, we love it. And we'll we'll hang out late at night. We'll go get ice cream. Like we we block off the whole week. We really do. And so I know what I'm doing. We're April. wanting to spend <laughs> we're so time fun. with with others that are doing what we're doing. And the Church Leaders Conference is the best place to do that. There you go. Yeah. Hey, that's about as good as commercial as we could ever record right there. So we're we're totally leaving. <laughs> yeah, they did that not pay us to say that. I've got a lot of experience in marketing from the Jonas brother. There you go. And now it's all back to that <laughs> internet movie database. I thought that was a website he was going to give out was where his profile is on IMDb. But anyway, <laughs> hey, 
Guys, it was great having you in the studio. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. That helps people find us. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. 